The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Debbie Tomlian. Ladies, um, my name is Deb Tomlin. Um, several months ago, um, my husband and I did get in an early morning agreement and we kind of exchanged some of our thoughts and I don't even remember what it was about, but um, it was a little bit more quiet that morning. And as he was getting ready to walk out the door, he gave me a kiss. And when he kissed me, he said, hey, I love you. And I just kind of continued. I kissed him and then just kind of continued on with what I was doing. And I could see him at the corner of my eye and he's like, hey, hey, I love you. And uh, I said, thank you. And he said, uh, no, are you going to say anything else? And I said, uh, uh, thank you. And uh, he said, now, you know, that's not what we say. And when my husband left, uh, the Lord said, uh-uh. We're not going to play those games. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. That's not who I am. And that's not who I want you to be as a follower of Christ. I desire to be like Jesus. And that means every detail of my life is important to Christ. Loving, being kind. It means a great deal to Jesus Christ. And so I had to apologize to Jeff and I had to apologize to, to, to the Lord and uh, just a, a sweet time of prayer. But what that did was when I saw Abigail, I was thinking, she's such a woman that fears the Lord. And every detail of her life was, um, is, as we look back in scripture, every detail of her life was God-centered. The memory verse this week was, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. As we look into Abigail, the verse that describes her the best for me was the verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs 31, 25 through 27. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. As we begin to look at Abigail in 1 Samuel chapter 5, I'm going to be um, intertwining my thoughts with the scripture. So it starts off the very first verse that Samuel died and all of Israel gathered for his funeral and they buried him at his house in Ramah. I don't know where this first come came from or why they put it like number one right there. And it's not even completed. Then it goes on the second half of the verse that says, then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man for Maon and he owned property there near the town of Carmel. He had 3000 sheep, a thousand goats, and it was sheep shearing time. The man's name was Nabal and his wife was Abigail. She was sensible and beautiful. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. I wanted to pick, she fears the Lord, 
but that was four words. And I'm like, that's not going to work. So I picked um, wise and kind. Um, I'm not sure like what you picked, but if you love Jesus with all your heart, you are wise. Abigail had made a name for herself, sensible and beautiful. And to gain a title like this, it doesn't come from just one occurrence or two occurrences, but it takes consistency and it's repeated situations and circumstances and they may be hard, but this is how Abigail came to be sensible and beautiful. It's because of the lifestyle that she chose to live. I don't think Abigail ever dreamed that her story would be told or written down one day for us to see, but I'm glad that it is. Nabal, he's wealthy and foolish. He was a crude and mean man, but he too, he didn't get his name from just one single occurrence. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. David was sending Nabal a blessing and at the same time, he was asking uh, for provision. He goes on to say, I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you that this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provision that you might have on hand with us and with your friend, David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and then they waited for a reply. I believe that David probably sent some of his youngest men, and he had the utmost confidence that they would ride back with food. But in verse 10, we hear Nabal say, who is this fellow David? He sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered and my shears and give them to a band of outlaws who came from who knows where. David had called Nabal a friend, and everyone knew David. Everyone knew David, and they knew Saul. And Nabal knew David too. He goes on to say, he's the son of Jesse in hiding. He knows who David is, and he knows what David is doing in Maon. He knew he was destined to be the next king, and Nabal was being very mean and selfish. I wonder if Nabal was feeling like he was a little better than David. David was in line to be the next king, and yet David was seeking provision from Nabal. Maybe Nabal was elevating his status because he was wealthy. Either way, we know he was mean. And then he calls them outlaws, outlaws in the wilderness. And then we see Nabal, the I, me, and my syndrome. 
It rose to the forefront of Nabal's pride. So David's young men, they returned and told David what Nabal had said. Get your sword, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. When Nabal refused to share his provision, it was a great insult to David and his men. David shouted out the command, his anger rose, and he was going back immediately to collect what he had expected. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and he told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen the whole time that they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and to the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can talk to him. We see that Abigail is very approachable. Um, the servants, um, I don't feel like this is probably the first time that the servants have ever come to her. They feel very comfortable with Abigail. They share about their feelings about Nabal. And um, she listens respectfully and she acts quickly. David, on the meantime, <clears throat> David is not looking for a handout. Nabal owed him this for watching over his sheep and protecting them. Nothing was stolen the whole time that Nabal's herd was under David's care and his men. David was actually being very generous by coming at sheep shearing time. He knew there would be plenty. He was not asking for anything extra. He just wanted what was on hand that could be spared. She shared that as travelers pass through, there's a responsibility. They feel that there's a responsibility to feed people and to protect them. It's almost um, like a sacred custom that they have. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she did not tell Nabal what she was doing. Abigail wasted no time and she was quick, she was wise, and she was generous in her responses. She gathered an overabundance of what was asked for by David's young men. I'm amazed to see what she had on, what she had on hand. She was quick. Abigail packs up the food on the caravan of donkeys and tells her servants to go ahead. She sent them ahead, but I'm not quite sure why. I don't know if maybe it was to make sure that they got away from the home front safely, or maybe she needed to collect her thoughts. Whatever the reason, she um, shortly was behind them. As she was riding her donkey, into the mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming towards her. David had just been saying, 
a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me, even if one man of his household is still alive in the morning. When Abigail heard that David was going to kill every man in her household, I wonder what she could have been thinking. Because but from the time that she heard David talking in the ravine and then meeting up with him, I don't think there was a lot of time to really formulate like, oh, I knew this was bad, but I don't know if I knew it was this bad or this serious. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and she said, I accept all of the blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. Abigail doesn't play the victim. We witness Abigail humbling herself before David. She bows low. She gives him respect. She falls at his feet, calling him my Lord, giving him honor. At the same time, she's taken the blame and asking David to just please listen. And then she goes on to say in verse 25, I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. Abigail acknowledges the inevitable. Nabal is a fool. Just like a dog that's going to bark, he's mean and he's ill-tempered, but that's, that's who he is. It's what he does. That's his very name. It's his very nature. He's a fool. Yet he is Abigail's husband. And Abigail intervenes for him, for her household. She excuses her husband's faults as natural weaknesses and the lack and having a lack of understanding. Abigail went on to tell David, I didn't see your men. I never even saw the young men that you sent. Abigail mentions it, that if she had known, then she could have made provisions for David and his men, but she didn't see them. She didn't even know that they had come until the servants approached her. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. Abigail speaks with wisdom. In essence, she's saying, listen to the Lord and do not take these matters into your own hands by murdering and taking revenge on my family. What Abigail doesn't say is, David, you're acting pretty foolish here. Abigail is wise and she's strategic in her words. Instead, she says, if anyone would try to harm you, may they be as cursed as Nabal. And then she presents a present. Here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. 
for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. He's saying, David, you're anointed. You have not done wrong throughout your whole entire life. You are in the Lord's care. But the lives of your enemies will dis disappear like a stone and a sling. What is Abigail saying here? What does she mean by your lives of the enemies will dis disappear like a stone, like stones shot from, from a sling? She's reminding David of the defeat of, I'm sorry, she's reminding David of when he defeated Goliath with the five stones and the sling. You do, do not need to worry, David, about your enemies. You are safe and the Lord will protect you. She speaks words of wisdom and she reassures David of the promises. When the Lord has done all he has promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Abigail's words speak life into David. Our words are very powerful. We have the capability to speak life and death into our loved ones. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you have said, and we will not kill your husband. I believe not only Abigail was relieved as she returned home that day, but so were the servants. When Abigail, in verse 36, when Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk. So she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. Abigail's wise in her timing went to talk to Nabal about David and his men. She didn't hide it from Nabal and she was not afraid. It was just best to wait. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. As I read that, I was thinking, Lord, why did you wait 10 days? And then it dawned on me, Abigail was such a godly woman and she feared the Lord. Could it be because of Abigail's love? for her husband, her prayers for her husband, that Nabal had the opportunity to accept the Lord as a savior. Um, I know when you're, you're paralyzed or 
you have a stroke, there are times that you cannot hear, you can't move, um, but there are times, and they say that your hearing is the last to go. And so I wonder, I wonder if the Lord gave uh, Nabal opportunity to accept him as his savior. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord who has avenged the insult I have received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sins. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messenger arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became David's wife. It made me wonder how Abigail was treated when she was willing to be a slave or to wash the slave, uh, be a slave and wash the servant's feet. It made me wonder how her husband treated her. Um, we don't know exactly how Nabal treated Abigail, but what we do know is how Abigail treated Nabal. Abigail was not defined by her husband, her home, her wealth, nor her external factors. She was a woman who feared the Lord and was ready to impart wisdom to her family, her household, and to those the Lord brought in her path. Not once do we see anyone defining her by her husband's foolishness. The fear of the Lord gives wisdom. Not once in scripture do we see in the in, in the, the passages of Abigail where it says Abigail feared the Lord. What we do see is we see her reverence. We see her reverence for the Lord. And we see her wisdom. We see her kindness to the servants. The fear of the Lord is used in awe and reverence. It's not used in a term like we're afraid of God. It's an awareness that we are in the presence of a holy God and we are held accountable for our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. It's about knowing who God is, obeying him in the midst of every circumstance and situation even when it's hard and we don't understand. Verse 3 tells us that Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. When a woman in scripture is declared beautiful, it usually means that she loves the Lord. When we think about the beautiful women, we think about Queen Esther. We think about Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. But when we look at Abigail, we see the kindness, we see the wisdom, we see the accessibility, the diligence, the respect, the honor, the selflessness, the truthfulness, the boldness, her courage, her honesty. And then as she talked to David, we see her godliness. 
The fear of the Lord points us to our Heavenly Father through the person of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us and gives us wisdom, knowledge, joy, confidence, discernment, and all we need for life. Abigail expressed these characteristics through the roughest of times as we were able to witness in her story. Let's look at a couple of the passages of scripture. In Psalms 111.10 Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Proverbs 15.33 Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Psalm 115, 11. All you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. Psalms 128:1. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. Psalms 145:19. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. Proverbs 14.2, the fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. As women who fear the Lord, do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts and lives? Do we reflect God's wisdom, his glory, and his character like Abigail? Have you stopped to think how Abigail's home was saved? It was by wisdom. What do you think changed David's heart? The words of wisdom by Abigail. The fear of the Lord gives understanding. Job 28, 28. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Proverbs 14.29, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs 14.33, wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. Nabal was wealthy, foolish, crude. He was harsh. He was mean. He was evil. He was mocking. He was demeaning. He was ill-tempered. He was selfish. And he was a drunkard. Abigail was a good wife. She remains in her marriage. She clothes herself with a gentle and quiet spirit. She attends the affairs of her household well. She understands her husband's foolishness and intervenes for him, fighting for his life and the lives of her household. She has the ability to spring into action real quick. And she also has the ability to wait until the timing is best. Abigail acts, her actions, she acts in understanding, but her reactions are in the fear of the Lord. She goes forward doing what is right without fear. It's often easy to act a certain way, but what are our reactions? Are our reactions godly? 
you know, I, I was listening to um, the radio this week and the gentleman on the, on the, that was preaching, he said, when my daughter goes out with a gentleman, I always tell her they can act really nice, but watch and see what their reactions are. How do they treat the people around them? What are your reactions? Are your reactions godly? Abigail has an understanding for the servants and their situation. She makes herself available to them. She does not send them off alone. I love this. She takes responsibility. She said, go ahead and I will follow. The servants heard her interaction with David and his men. They were there when David proclaimed blessing and peace upon her. They heard David say, we will not kill your husband. Can you imagine the servant's relief and joy? Abigail also has an understanding for David. She realized that he let his anger get in the way of what was right. He was going to kill every man in her household. She honored him and showed him great respect, giving him provision he had asked for plus much, much more. She reminds David what the Lord has done for him in the past. She reminds him that he is anointed and what he is anointed to be. Also, she reminds David that the Lord will take care of his enemies. The fear of the Lord breeds understanding. Lastly, the fear of the Lord gives favor. Proverbs 4, 4 through 13. My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instruction. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. To every person in First uh, Samuel chapter 25, the Lord gives favor. To Nabal, he gave Abigail, but he gave wealth and he gave opportunity. Nabal chose foolishness. But I pray that in those 10 days when he lay there, Abigail's prayers accounted for something. And I pray that one day we might see Nabal in heaven. I don't know that. To Abigail, the Lord gave blessing of sensibility and beauty. She was wise and she chose 
the fear of the Lord. She had the favor of her household. She had the favor of David. She had the favor of the servants. She had the favor of the 600 men. They trusted her. Then she became one of David's wives. Abigail also had favor with the Lord. To David, the Lord bestowed favor in the sense that there were no regrets when he became king. He did not carry out the vengeance on Nabal's household. The Lord took care of Nabal. Abigail became David's wife. And David lived in the fear of the Lord. Then we see Nabal's servants. They received the blessing from Abigail. They witnessed the wisdom of Abigail in the encounter with David, and their lives were spared. Do you remember when we started, um, when I first started reading Samuel? If you go back to the very first chapter, it kind of tucked. Samuel in. It said, now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. As I was pondering on 1 Samuel 25, I thought, Lord, what is it? Why is it that Samuel's death is just kind of tucked in there? And I was, as I was looking at the men I found it quite interesting. We have Nabal, and Nabal's just foolish. The very mention of his name means fool, but he had no fear of the Lord, and the Lord struck him. And then we had David. David feared the Lord, but he acted out of anger. Thank God for Abigail's wisdom, and thank God for Abigail's response. They brought David life. And then we see Samuel. He was a godly man who walked in obedience and prayer, and he feared the Lord all of his life. Abigail, sensible and beautiful, she feared the Lord. As we close, are you a woman who fears the Lord? Do you seek wisdom when walking in the fear of the Lord? He brings blessing, wisdom, understanding, and favor. Sometimes there are things in our hearts that are so deep. You may not know that they're there until you encounter a situation. When they arise, whatever they may be, give it to Jesus. Your walk with the Lord is not just for you alone. It's for your husband. It's for your family. It's for everyone that you interact with. The Lord wants you to run to him and fear him, live in closeness with him. <clears throat> I'm going to close with two stories. Several months ago, I took, um, I, I took a little lady to the Rite Aid pharmacy to pick up her medicine and, um, they told her that it wasn't in stock to come back in two days. So we did. They again stated when we went back after the two days, they said, we're really, really sorry, but we need, it says it won't be in for another two days. So we came back again in two days. Well, when we got there, 
it was like on a Friday afternoon when we got there. They told us that we're sorry. Um, the little lady looked at me and she said, I had enough medicine for the four days. But now that they told me they don't have it in stock, she said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So <clears throat> feeling a little bit of frustration inside, I said, can I please speak to your pharmacist? So the pharmacist came and when he looked at me, I just said, um, can you refer us to another pharmacy uh, for her medicine? And he said, no. And I said, well, um, is there some way that, you know, you, it, it was a blood thinner and she needed it. She didn't want to wait over the weekend. Is there anything that you can do? And he looked at me and he said, this is not my fault. And he was a very angry man. And I could just feel within me arise. And after he got done talking, he said, this is not my problem. And I thought, we stood there, my little, my little friend, she was in her 90s. And so I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, but this is your problem. This is not her problem. This is your problem. And I said, you need to call another pharmacy or you need to um, figure out how to get her medicines for her. We left and I felt really bad because I didn't realize how quickly that that inner frustration could rise up to the top. And it, it just really ruffled my feathers. Sometimes in certain situations, we don't know what to do. And we don't know what our hearts are capable of. And this is why we need to stay close to Jesus. I had to go back to, to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Look at Abigail. She was on her way to meet David and found out that her household would be killed the next day. <clears throat> there's a there's a poem that the Titus women have and I entitled The Knife of the Cross. Holy Spirit, apply the knife of the cross to every bit of the old life in me. Wherever thou can see it, in the places where I do not know it, especially down deep in the secret pride. Pray the Lord to keep the knife of the cross applied to every part of your being, your cleverness of intellect, your self-confidence, your sympathies, your affections. Let the knife be used by God all the time, not yesterday, but today. This means seeing the material which the enemy can fasten upon out of his way. The bulletproof place of victory is only to be known through the knife of the cross, being kept continually applied to the old creation day by day. Not quite a year ago, um, my sister had been feeling very weak and was admitted to the hospital. And she was in the hospital, uh, I want to say maybe two times for about three days each within a three-week period, just long enough for them to run tests and then, and then send her home. They diagnosed her, and it was not a good prognosis. However, um, she did, uh, they thought that maybe three years, she would have about three years, but she was getting weaker. 
And one Friday, um, her daughter took her to a hematologist. And when they got back, she needed a blood transfusion. But with it being on a Friday, uh, we couldn't find anyone to do the blood transfusion. Finally, we found a doctor that would take her early Monday morning. And as we were talking as a family, we said, you know, maybe he would refer her down to um, John Hopkins. We live very close to Baltimore. And so we were hoping that this doctor would recommend that she go down to John Hopkins. So Monday morning came and probably about mid, mid afternoon, I saw that I had missed a call from my sister. And um, when I saw it, I returned the call and my niece answered her phone. And I was so excited. I said, did they move her to Hopkins? The soft voice, the soft voice on the other end said, Aunt Debbie, mom died. Instantly, instantly, there was a deep groan of grief. It was so deep. It was so deep within me, it just bellowed out. These groans of grief are not bad. It rose up so quickly, it made me realize that there may be much more in my heart that I'm not aware. I don't know what's in your heart tonight, but come and listen to the counsel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'll share his heart with you and he will make you wise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just wanna thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Father, that you give your love, you give us yourself, you give us joy. And Father, when we choose to follow you and live a life for you, there's no greater calling. There's no greater joy. So tonight, Lord Jesus, I just pray that the knife of the cross would be applied to each and every heart on the call. Father, I pray that each and every woman would love you with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their might, and with all of their strength. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for your favor. Your precious holy name. Amen.